LDB, 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 LDB. Good evening and welcome everybody from LDB. It's time for your favorite podcast. It's Sunday night on uh, July 17th. We're about to get a, a mini break from our baseball, but into the All-Star Week. I am your host, Chris Schutzer. I'm joined, as always, by our co-host and co-commissioner. Well, not co-commissioner. You are co-commissioner. I don't even know what the heck the title is, but Matthew Starr. Matt, how you doing? Doing well. You know, I, th- I think you've introduced me as co-commissioner every time. I don't know why why the hesitation this time around. Well, because like technically, like you're just commissioner and so is Ian, right? Or is it... I, I, I don't know. I think we're, we call each other co-commissioners at this point. Uh, fair whatever, whatever you want to do. I, 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 I will accept whatever title you want to place on me, though. Fair enough. Fair enough. How, how's everything been lately? Uh, it's been good. I'm surprisingly tired for a Sunday, and I don't really know why. But other than that, it's good. All right. We'll take it. Uh, we've also got our fellow co-host and union current champ, Mr. Michael Becker. Becker, how you doing? Doing good. Hey guys, uh, always like this time of year where there's a natural break in the baseball season. Love All Star Week, and uh, we'll try to use this break to go on a baseball detox and maybe read a book. I haven't done that in a while, so yeah, I'm excited to be here. Sounds good, and I'm thrilled to announce because it has been a minute since we had Mr. Nate Egan on the on the podcast, and he's here now. Uh, I am. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a, I guess not quite phone tag, but uh, whatever the equivalent is of trying to figure out a time that worked. But I'm glad we could get this, get this uh, done. And yeah, glad I could finally make my appearance. It's it's long overdue, and I I think actually uh, for me personally, I still have you frozen about to leave on your honeymoon. So, <laughs> uh, which, yeah. how, how long has it been now? Uh almost four years i think since my honeymoon yeah yeah i mean well that was your last po- uh, podcast appearance i think so. yeah um why don't you catch us up what's been going on in your world <laughs> uh, let's see what well, since then um we have uh we have an almost two-year-old daughter now um so that i guess that's kind of big news um well i guess it's not really new anymore uh so i guess that's kind of number one but yeah we are and that's the biggest thing, I guess. We are um, still in DC, but we're actually kind of looking to move uh, probably up to the Philly area in the near future, just to be closer to the wife's family, uh, get a little bit more space. So we'll see what happens with remote work. Um, so I guess those are the two biggest things uh, on the personal front. Uh, yeah. So I, yeah, it has been almost four years, but I guess that's where yeah, that's that's where things stand for us now. Am I remembering correctly though that you went to Patagonia? You are remembering correctly that we went to Patagonia on the honeymoon, yeah, which was incredible. If anybody's in the mood to take a kind of a longer trip, I'd highly recommend it. It's, but yeah, it was awesome in every way. Yeah, that's probably the favorite place I've ever been. Uh, yeah. Have you dared? I, I, go ahead, go ahead, Matt. I was. I think Ray's going to Patagonia soon, okay. so uh, yeah, maybe maybe we can get to some facilitate some advice here. Uh, Compare some notes. Place. Yeah, I only went. I went to the Chilean side, but yeah, incredible. Would highly recommend it. Awesome. Have you dared to venture with with the child yet, or mostly? Yeah, we um, recently we just got back from Ireland. Actually, um, I was away in Ireland for most of June. Um, that was her first time on a plane. Um, I guess the our little life hack was just set incredibly low expectations, and she was actually great. She was uh, totally surpassed them, but she was good. Um, the flight's not too bad, uh, and. They all speak English, which helps. But yeah, it was great. Um, it was yeah. Every day, the Irish love children, uh, so she enjoyed the even ad- additional amounts of attention that she got. But she yeah, she was really good. So we were pleasantly surprised. That was our first real trip because she was born in August of 2020, kind of right in the middle of the pandemic. So this was our first. Uh, we had taken my wife and I had taken a couple solo trips, like one or two days, and left her with grandparents. But this was our first, yeah, really significant trip, and her first trip at all, really. Cool. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it, it's 
it's too long. Yeah, I think I, that's that's the main message here because if four years have passed, that's just way too freaking long. I know. Um, but I do think having you on completes the the cycle of making sure that we've gotten everybody on at least once, and hope to have you many times in the future. Absolutely. Why do you? Well, let's let's do an LDB catch up then, since okay. uh, since four years have gone by. Walk yeah. us through for 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 Team Nate uh, what the last four years have been. I know you've you've sort of crested. Uh, just like the Dippas, I know you're you're also losing a bunch of players and making some trades right now, and and the, mm -hmm. and the future looks a little murky. Uh, same as mine. Um, walk us through what's gone on and 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 the, the direction of Team Nate. I'm sure. Well, I mean, heading into this year was yeah. kind of I is I had pretty high hopes for the team. Um, I ended up yeah, there were a couple people that I had the option of kind of deliberating between the fourth and fifth keepers and seems obviously in hindsight uh keeping adam duval was not the right choice but i mean i still had a pretty good i was pretty excited for the team this year and it just kind of went to shit pretty quickly a lot of pretty much most of the draft picks didn't work out i guess um and i had a lot of people in their final contract years uh i guess if you had to pick i was in the trevor bauer uh, and josh donaldson were two of the more more glaring uh, glaring errors of draft picks that kind of made their presence felt uh, in a negative way pretty much right away. Um, but as you noted, I did have a lot of players going into this year um, in their final year. And even, I don't know, about halfway through the season, it was roto-wise, I think my team was seventh or eighth. So it was, but it was tougher to, because I started off the year three and 21. So kind of got us into a pretty big hole right away and writing seemed to kind of be on the wall that it would have been pretty tough to even qualify for the playoffs unfortunately so with this crop i kind of moved to something off pretty quickly with you know wheeler um Contreras, who was i he was not my first pick in the draft he was he was my first he was a pick in my first draft but as a as an ldb owner i think my first pick was i think was nick senzel uh, who, you know, still waiting for that breakout to happen. But I think Wilson Contreras, I took him the second round of my first draft. So didn't quite complete his run on my team, but sent him out with Zach Wheeler, um, Glacius for uh, Ali de la, de la Cruz and Francisco Alvarez, which I'm pretty excited for. But yeah, pretty pretty sharp 180, I guess, of kind of focusing on this year to now hopefully building for the future. Um, this is Pete Alonzo's... Uh, Set year two in his contract, so two more years. So hopefully by 2024 we can have a another competitive season where we can be looking towards that. I guess is kind of the goal. Although I'm obviously not looking to punt for next year already, but yeah, definitely not what we wanted. Uh, what I wanted to happen this year with the team, but what can you do? It does feel like baseball has this way of you know sometimes you're you're just shot in the foot right off the right off the bat. Mm -hmm. If we were to um, just pull the 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 general uh, podcast co-host, whatever you want to call us. There were people who thought that you did very well with the Bauer contract at the time, and then there were some that were like, maybe this isn't the best move. But you know, I I, I don't think it. You took a gamble, and, and it didn't work. But you know, I, I don't I don't think you can be faulted for it. Um, so, is now the time to talk about Trevor Bauer? Can we pause? Maybe pause it is. Yeah, let's talk about Trevor Bauer. Bauer. Great. Because I haven't heard as, much about someone who's spent way. <laughs> no. Yeah, he has been remarkably quiet. Um, as someone who spent way too much time thinking about Trevor Bauer this past offseason, especially the game theory related to his, uh, you know, the, the the LDB draft. I'm curious what your mindset was uh, was going in. Certainly, no judgment from me. Like I was prepared to go. Um, $17, $18 on the assumption that he would be pitching as I've been, as I've made very clear, probably by May. And obviously that didn't happen. Uh, so I'm sure you were thinking along similar lines, but can you walk us through that decision? Sure. I mean, so I honestly was, again, in hindsight, incorrectly, but I thought going into the season with, especially, I guess, probably the most disheartening regression on my team has been with Trevor Rogers. So I thought I'd going into the year, I had a pretty solid rotation with wheeler and ian anderson and trevor rogers as like a, a pretty solid top three and uh, sean Manet as, as top four um so i thought just kind of the there was a i thought he would have 
Bauer would have by far the most upside of anybody available in that mid-range. And I just was kind of worried about it, the top of the line starting pitchers. I just had concerns about that. Just, I mean, I, at this point, it seems like you kind of have concerns about every starting pitcher at this point, just with injuries and whatnot. So I figured, I thought with those, I thought with the core of a starting rotation, I was kind of in the spot where I could gamble a little bit more. And I thought for his cost, knowing obviously it would be depressed for um, his suspe- the pending suspension, I thought there was upside there. And I thought he would just do quite well on the Dodgers this year. I mean, it's a really good team. Um, and I thought, yeah, if he, I was kind of expecting something. I thought him and Loriano would come back at roughly the same time, about mid-May, June. And I thought he would probably pitch at, about, at a pretty high level if he came back at roughly that point. And I thought he would probably have the highest highest upside, I guess. Kind of the, he, was the, he struck me as the kind of player who could have helped my, me I guess put the put my team put my team's pitching over the top more than anybody else in that comparable price range. Which obviously, did not did not go as planned. Yeah, and how did you choose? I think it was twenty one. Was it twenty one million in a silent I option? Three? I'm not entirely. It was somewhere in the low twenties, I think. Um, how did you how did you get comfortable with that number? I, I just kind of had been running some numbers about where I was be roughly comfortable with and i think it was somewhere in the low 20s and when he got i mean i did kind of think he was going to get nominated in the site because he was kind of the perfect test case um so i just kind of went went for it i had just somewhere in that range between like 21 and 24 and i just kind of the 23 i think was just kind of a dart throw at that point but from what i don't remember exactly what the numbers were but i think i want to buy at least one maybe two million so yeah um, you know, look these 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 guys like like Bauer. Uh, these cases, they're they're just it either works or it doesn't. And and I I feel for you because you know to spend that kind of money uh, in a season where everything was coming up that way, it's just it's tough. Um, so. I, I had well, look, Chris. I I spent good, I spent twenty three million on Eduardo Rodriguez. You sure yeah. did. <laughs> You sure did. Sorry, Matt. I didn't mean to cut you off. There's some audio lag, so I, I apologize. No problem. I, I, I was just going to say, I had actually forgotten that there was an official two-year suspension handed down. I was like, what ended up happening there? But mm-hmm. yes, you know, two, it was an official two-year suspension. I've been paying a lot of attention to that, mostly because I feel like the NFL is is having to now deal with the MLB having been pretty strong on their Bauer punishment as they think about what to do with, with Sean Watson. Uh, they're not the same, but there's definitely some, some linkage there and we're not a football podcast, so we don't need to worry about that right now. But I just, that's one of the reasons that it's been on my mind. Um, I, I'd love, I'd love to see Deshaun Watson also get a two year suspension, but I, I don't think they're going to do that. I, I think that, you know, the NFL has to at least consider it, right? Cause otherwise they're going to be coming out as, Anyway, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna go down that road right this minute. But uh, Nate, am I also remembering correctly that you're a Mets fan? You are, correct? I am. Yeah. All right. So there's your good news, right? The Mets are playing pretty well. So h- how confident are you in 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 what the Mets have put together and and their odds of making a run here? Oh, I mean, I'm pretty good. This is, um, you know, it's. I, I'm pretty sure this is the best Mets team of my lifetime for a full season. Well, at least through the first half. I, I think the the second half of the 2015 team, after they got Cespedes, probably played the best half season I've seen. But the, I mean, yeah, but they're they're a very very good team. I'm there are a couple holes that I think that they can look to patch up. Um, I mean, namely the bullpen, other than Diaz, and the, their DH has been pretty bad. But I think that those are also kind of pretty pretty discreet uh, things that could be fixed through the trade market pretty quickly. Um, and I mean, the fact that they've done all this with a quarter of se- or, you know, half of the half season from Scherzer and no DeGrom with both scheduled to be back after the break. I mean, the, uh, Scherzer's already back, obviously, and but DeGrom is going to be back next week, it looks like. Um, yeah, I'm very optimistic with how the team has been doing. I, I think they're really good. I think they're, and with those two, it's hard not to be confident in them. I mean, it's easy not to be confident in the Mets, but I think they're very well well suited for a playoff series. Um, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if pretty quickly they make a move. I, Josh Bell, 
uh, Bednar from the Pirates, I think, would be a pretty pretty nice bullpen addition. But yeah, I'm I'm very happy with how they've been playing. It's nice to yeah, it's nice to watch a, a really good baseball team. I do like as you were thinking about you know which team uh, in Mets history of your lifetime was the best one. You just glossed over uh, 2006. Eh, I mean, that was obviously a very good team. The rotation was. If you look at the rotation numbers. It was kind of weak. They had they had some holes, um, but I mean, yeah, obviously that was, that was a good team. They were hurt by the late injuries to uh, Duaner Sanchez, and obviously the NLCS was still very painful to talk about. That was, but yeah, that was a very good team, and I think they they could have very easily won that World Series against the Tigers too. So that's another competitor for the best team of my lifetime, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm I'm rooting for the Mets. Actually, I, I sort of see them as like the the little brother to the Yankees and, and, and it would be great if the little brother could just sort of give him an uppercut and steal it would, this year. That'd be kind of awesome. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I, I have to, I have to harken back to my OG Mets fandom and, and root for the Mets this year too, because the nationals are not giving me a whole lot to uh, <laughs> root for. And, uh, and now apparently they're going to trade one to it away. So, you know, yeah, maybe to the Mets. Yeah. Well, we, we have a lot planned here, and there's a couple curveballs to this conversation that I feel like need a couple minutes each. Matt, can I ask you how you're feeling about this Juan Soto being marketed news? Um, yeah, I mean, Becker and I were actually texting about this shortly before the podcast. Um, but I mean, I don't know. They they don't they they gave him this offer that like oh my god, four hundred fifty million dollars, but it's on a yearly basis, on an AAV basis, kind of a weak offer, honestly. Thirty million dollars a year is is well below what a guy like Juan Soto deserves at this point. Um, so it seemed like it wasn't a serious offer, and that they just don't have any interest in actually paying him what he's worth or holding on to him. So, and if that's the case, you know, I I guess shop him. I, I, it would be sad to lose him, but if they don't actually intend to re-sign him, you know, might as well shop at the peak of his value and get as much as you can for him i guess you know i i'd, I'd prefer that they held on to it and built around him but they don't that doesn't need to be in the cards for them backer i sense you have something to say here yeah it's so it's never a good idea to negotiate publicly uh, the offer is the offer and i agree with star that it, it it has the appearance of seeming big and it is big but when you play out the numbers, it's probably not commensurate with his value. I am most interested in who leaked the news because I think you can tell a lot about the state of the negotiations by who actually leaked it. Uh, I know having covered baseball, and, and I'm sure you all know this too, Scott Boris plays 4D chess. Um, so while it while Juan Soto was made to believe that it was the organization that actually leaked that figure, I can totally imagine a situation where it was indeed Boris's camp, uh, strate strategically putting that out there over All-Star Weekend, uh, knowing that the national media would pick this up and then have three and a half days to discuss it. Like this, this isn't a coincidence that this rumor got out to Ken Rosenthal while there's nothing else to talk about. I don't know why that is. I don't know the motivation behind it, but like somebody somebody knows something. And I think once you kind of lead to that natural conclusion of who leaked it and why, you have a better sense of whether uh, it is indeed hopeless or whether there's still more going on behind the scenes. Uh, and the last thing I'll say is like, the national media doesn't know the nationals. Uh, the national media doesn't have a lot of good sourcing within the nationals besides maybe Boris, who's, who represents more nationals probably than anybody else. And so when I, when I see things being broken at the national level about the nationals, I instinctively think that it is, um, you know, that, that the rumors are being strategically placed and aren't a true and accurate reflection of the state of the negotiations or the state of the team. So I know that's kind of a lot of wishy-washy uh, backroom conspiracy talk, but uh, just knowing how the sausage is made, I think there's a lot more. And so I'm just gonna kind of withhold judgment until there is indeed a deal. And I, I sure hope there is not. Okay. I mean, that, that was really interesting. I, I, I wouldn't have thought about a lot of that. So I appreciate your, your insight.
Um, it's fascinating. And I, and I also would really be sad if the Nationals, you know, fresh off of a World Series a couple years later, lost literally every star that they had from trade and just, you know, were bottoming out. It just wouldn't make a lot of sense to me for a, a large market team. But um, anyway. Except Corbin and Strasburg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still, well, those are probably still yeah. on the roster. <laughs> yeah. uh, Becker, I know you also wanted to talk a little bit because, like, for for those of you who are going to be listening to this tomorrow or the next day or the day after, the the MLB draft first round is happening as we speak. Um, I don't know what pick they're on, but last I checked, uh, you know, I, I I was up to date through pick number eleven when uh, the Georgia Tech catcher went to the Mets. Um, so, Becker, like, thoughts on the draft so far? I know you to be. Sorry. Yeah, Kevin Parada, uh, that who the Mets chose, is soon to be a member of Nate's team. I'm I'm quite sure. <laughs> <laughs> that that would that would violate two two rules uh, when drafting. Uh, one, don't draft the player on your own team because it's much worse if they if they don't work out. And the other one being don't draft catchers, <laughs> which is Star's favorite rule. Um, Becker, like, what, what's your thought overall just on, on uh, Elijah Green going to the Nationals and just the first round overall? I'm pumped. I'm, I'm excited for Elijah Green. It was, uh, as much as it's I like to kind of shit on the Nats and this iteration of the Nats, like, this was not a very characteristic Nats move. I think the characteristic Nats move may have been to take Kevin Parada and he had been linked to them, some, some safe choice. But the last two drafts, they've gone for, for high upside high school players. And I admire that because I think that's the way you're going to win. And then just the, the draft generally, um, I think baseball is making a concerted, vet, concerted effort to make it more interesting. Uh, so I credit them for that. I was impressed with the coverage. They seem to be trying to make it like their NFL draft telecasts, which I think we can all agree are like, whether you like football or not, incredibly popular. I, I just remember when the draft was such an afterthought. Um, it was only first televised, remember, in 2009. Like before then, it was just held via conference call amongst the teams. And so I was going back in, into old emails. And uh, I really never followed the draft as a reporter because it had no, no bearing on my day to day. Like it might have been one story for the next day's paper, but I, I wasn't a prospect writer. I was covering a game that night, right? Um, so. It didn't really move the needle for me, but I went back into some of the press releases that the Angels PR staff sent, and they like made a big show of touting a number of their their draft picks taken in that 2009 draft, including um, Tyler Skaggs, including Patrick Corbin, and then at like the bottom of paragraph eight was a reference to Mike Trout, and <laughs> and if you remember, like. Um, Randall Grichik was taken 24th in the first round of that draft, 2009. Trout was taken 25th. And I remember, as traditionally happens, like the team will invite their first round draft pick to the stadium and parade them around. And I remember it was Grichik. Like they brought Grichik in front of the media and they made a big show of saying how excited they were to draft Randall Grichik. Uh, now, that may have been like a negotiating ploy to try to underpay Mike Trout, but. Uh, I just found it humorous looking back that that was clearly where um, where their focus was at the expense of maybe the greatest baseball player of all time. So draft draft is funny. I'm slowly getting interested. You know, I'm curious if you guys are as interested in I am and maybe how how it may or may not influence uh, LDB ownership. Just quick note on that on that angel draft class. Uh, Keith Law was tweeting about this actually recently about how. That's an, that was an insane draft class from the Angels. Even if you exclude Mike Trout, that would have been a great, great draft year. And that, the, I believe he said the Angels, so if you take Mike Trout out of the equation, the Angels have not gotten anywhere close to the war produced by the other players they took in any other draft by like, I think they're like 10 more short of like the, the non-Mike Trout players that they drafted in that draft. So. And also, I believe they fired their like scouting director or something. They're like somebody, somebody Eddie who was Bain. involved in that draft yeah. was fired after that year. So good move, Angels. Yeah, it was Eddie Bain's last draft, um, and he was. They were they were trying to they were trying to get away from the old guard scouting, and he was a casualty of that. But it was clearly he was he knew what he was doing. 
Nate, did you want to say something? Uh, no, no, I, oh, sorry. I, but I saw that those tweets as well too, but yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, yeah. Very impressive draft class. So Nate, Nate I, any thoughts on, on, on Kevin Parada, who I, it seemed like was going to be, there was a lot of talk he was going to be with the Nationals and now he's a Met. I mean, he would have been mocked to five. I, I just saw some video. He's a very weird swing. Like he kind of, not that that matters, but it looks odd when you see it the first time. He kind of lays the bat horizontally across his shoulder. Um, yeah, I don't know. People are on, you know, Mets Twitter like freaking out as if this kind of signals that the Mets are going to trade Francisco Alvarez. But I think they were just going best player available. It'll work itself out, you know, if he's any good. And they also took Jet Williams, a high school shortstop at 14. So who's nice. the little guy? Yeah, like 5'8". Um, sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I always. I, just, I certainly seen some write-ups on Parada that said like. That said, he may not stick a catcher either. So there's also that that he's kind of a bad first guy who may end up in an outfield or something. Right. So final thought on on MLB draft, just because I we're, I'm watching the clock, I want to make sure we, we we save the amount of time we need for the rest of the show here. But uh, thoughts on like this strategy of taking uh, the the clear not number one overall at number one overall to save money for for later picks from you guys because. I hadn't seen Holiday linked to number one anywhere until today, and I don't know if you had, and maybe I was just missing it. But um, anybody have thoughts on this? I, I feel like it's sort of cowardly, but maybe maybe that's me. Becker, go ahead. I know you got so it. It is. I think it, it dampens the product, and I think it, it is one of the reasons why Major League Baseball draft is not nearly as popular as NFL and others, um, because it is literally so inside baseball that the rules permit this so that you can sign somebody under slot and reserve your slot money for others who might have a more difficult time signing. But it, it totally deflates um, you know, the, the interest, I, I think, because it is counterintuitive to say, all right, we're gonna draft somebody number one through 10. In your mind, you think, all right, the best guy goes number one. That's just how our society works. And so I just think it's a, a little wrinkle that certainly doesn't help it. The good teams know how to strategically manage that. And I think the Orioles have done that. I wish it weren't the case because it also recognizes like the grimy side of actually having to negotiate deals with guys. And then there's the possibility that th you wouldn't even come to terms with a guy. Um, it's why Garrett Cole went like number 24 that one year. Um, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And I, I wish it didn't happen, but I understand that's part of the bargaining agreement, I suppose. I, I, I feel like it's worth noting that Jackson Holiday was ranked as high as, you know, two, three on a lot of rankings. So it's not like they were, you know, they didn't take Drew Jones, who was kind of a consensus one, but they maybe took the guy in their mind was the number two best player in this draft. So it's not like they, and they probably saved a bunch of money and maybe you're going to get another prospect, another very good prospect as a result. I think it's different than what they did last year when they took, uh, or two years ago, I can't even remember his name, the guy who went, uh, who they took one overall as like a huge cost-cutting measure. Hirstad, right? Yeah, yeah, Kesson Hirstad. It's a very different situation from taking Hirstad, who was like, um, you know, like a, the 15th, 20th best player in that draft. You know, Jackson Holiday is not that. But I don't know. I, I, I hate that it is that way, but I think it's in some ways the very smart decision, particularly if maybe you are not as high on like the consensus 1-1 one, one guy as, you know, maybe the media is or, or the rest of the league is. Um, I think it can be a really smart play but i but i agree that i don't necessarily love that that's how it goes down sometimes because it's counterintuitive and i think it definitely hurts the the, the optics of it are not great yeah because it looks like you're trying to cut costs which isn't actually the case but it, it's kind of how it reads to the average fan i think i don't like it i don't like it but i don't really need to go into more detail you guys sort of nailed it nate last thing on this how do you feel about rocker getting <laughs> third overall pick you don't care I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I hope he does well. It seems, I, I think the Mets were not alone in being concerned about the lack of, I don't know if, it'll be curious to see what leaks out if he, if Boris did provide some imaging that he apparently didn't provide last year, or, I, I mean, presumably the Rangers have a level of, I, I don't think the Rangers drafted him to not make an offer. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I hope it works out. It's funny that he'll be with reunited with Jack Leiter. It'll be cool if they get to be in the same rotation in a few years. Um, 
I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, the Mets doctors clearly had a very strong opinion last year that for whatever reason is not shared by the Rangers. So I think we'll just take a couple of years to find out, um, who was right. I mean, I mean, they both could be right. I mean, who knows, right. It's not, I don't know if he's missing some ligament or if he, everything is clean or it's probably somewhere in between. So yeah, I just hope it works out for him. All right. You guys ready to move on? I said th- I, I one, one thing on Rocco, which I think is funny. I think, I believe Jorvi drafted him when he was a junior in high school. So it's been a long, <laughs> long wait for Kumar Rocker to get on to a minor league team, not even yeah. to a major league team for, for Mr. Jorvi. All right. Um, we are going to play a quick game of trivia uh, that is going to be based on the All-Star Weekend. Um, Nate, you're you're obviously playing because you're here, but I'm also going to invite our listeners. Uh, Nate, Nate to... is a tri- Nate is a trivia master. I don't know if you know that. Oh I'm well, then sure. then I hope because I w- I had already decided that whoever wins tonight will will hold the title of uh, of trivia champion, uh, LDB trivia champion, which can only be taken if you dethrone that person. Uh, and Nate, every time we do trivia, we'll have to have you back on if if you okay. do win. So. Um, this is this is all star themed, um, and I am inviting our our listeners to play. So, listeners, pause now uh, and get yourself a pen and paper uh, to to play along if you if you'd like. Um, we're going to be giving uh, our the, the live feed, but you can pause as you go uh, in order to see how many of these you you get right. Um, we're going to start with uh, some softball questions. Um, and some of these are going to be based on just how many things you can name. Uh, and I'll give everybody about 30 seconds and just do that thing where I talk ad nauseum for no good reason uh, while you all get your 30 seconds. Uh, but some of them are are, are, are more specific. Um, I'm going to start with the most softball-y one that I, that I thought I could, which is um, I'm hoping that uh, we'll start with this. All right, number question one, what player has the most home runs in a single round of the home run derby. We're not talking about the entire home run derby. We're talking about a single round in the history of the home run derby. Pencils down. All right. Any of you think you got it and want to say to the to the podcast? Becker's nodding. Go for it, Becker. Josh Hamilton. It is not Josh Hamilton. It is not Josh Hamilton. Nate Star. I would have said Josh Hamilton if I, I guess with the benefit of hindsight, I think, if, can I take a second one, even though that I didn't get it right originally, I think I can think <laughs> of who broke it now that I know that. But if yeah, we're keeping okay. it, obviously, I, I did, uh, did Vlad Jr. break it? Vlad Jr. is the correct answer. Yeah. And Vlad Jr. has it uh, with a stunning 40 home runs in the, in the second round of the 2019 home run derby. Whew. All right. I, I said Pete Alonso, shit. which is also incorrect. All right. Well, maybe one of our yeah, listeners he would have been my second one, right? So maybe maybe we have a listener in the lead after question one. I thought that was going to be an easy one. I apologize. All right. We're going to go in a similar vein for question two. Question two is, what player has the most home runs across an entire home run derby? All of the rounds combined. I'm going to count down another five seconds here. All right, pencils down. And if you think you got that one, I didn't even run anything down, so I'm pretty sure Pete Alonso is the answer to that question. All right, stars going with Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso is incorrect. It is okay. not Pete Alonso. Anyone? This, one, this one's Guerrero again, right? But like he, I think he is. Not, it's, he, this is when he set the record, but didn't win because he lost the head-to-head at the end. Because oh, set. that's correct. Right. Nate oh, had it. God. It was a little bit of a curveball where the answer was the same to questions one and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that same year, 2019, Guerrero had 91 home runs. Second place all time is Pete Alonso at 74. He paced Ooh. himself. A little so, bit. yeah, that was that was quite the performance by Guerrero. He probably tired himself out. Um, all right, we're going to go with one more home run derby one, and this is one where I'm going to have to talk for 30 seconds. All right, um, so we're going to we're going to score each one of those first two questions. If you got it right, those are 10 points each. Uh, this one, you get two points for every name that you are, that you put down. All right, you get two points for every name that you put down. So 
I would like for everyone to take 30 seconds to list all of the last 10 home run derby winners that they can. Your 30 seconds starts now. And oh, right, I'm supposed to be talking right now. Um, so I will. Uh, I think I would have done terribly on this question, even though I watch every home run derby. And it's mostly because I'm way too tired by the time the thing ends and I usually forget who won. So, uh, but yeah, this will be, this will be fun. Um, and I'm curious to see if we are able between the three of you to get every name of the last 10 years. Um, obviously the last thing I'll say, and our time is basically up here, there was one year missing. So we're going to go back 11 years so that there are 10 answers. Uh, cause based on the lost baseball that we had a couple years ago, um, there won't be an answer for that year. Are we ready? Nate, guest of honor. Why don't you give uh, us your list? I definitely uh, yeah, did not uh, have them all, but I know Alonzo. Um, I had Vlad Jr. Uh, I, and I'm not even so, sure if he won one. Vlad, Vlad Jr. did not win. Yeah. Uh, so you've got Alonzo, and you, you actually get four points for Alonzo because he's won twice. Uh, you, you, you get negative points for wrong answers, though, because I could have just written every name in the world down on my sheet, and I did not do that. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that's that's a fair point. I'm going to I'm gonna say that, you know, honor code that you only get to put down 10 names, I don't know. But, uh, Nate, keep going. Who else you got on your list? I, was there one Robinson Cano one I, with his dad? Uh, Robinson Cano is the 2011 winner, and yes, that fits. That is that is the 10th year. Good job. Did Chris Bryant win one? Uh, I don't believe he did. Okay. No. Um, Nelson Cruz? Uh, I don't see nope. a Nelson Cruz here, no. Uh, Stanton? Stanton did win the 2016. You are correct okay. on Stanton. Uh, and that is all I had. All right, Matt and, and Becker, let's see how many you got. Uh, Matt, you're first, go for it. Uh, I only wrote three names down um, and I, I feel very confident. One of them was Pete Alonzo, so that, that was easy. And one of them was Bryce Harper, which I know is right. Oh yeah, uh, yep. 2018 winner, Bryce Harper. And then, yep. and then I wrote down Aaron Judge, and I don't know if he actually won. I don't, I don't think he actually won. Aaron Judge did win in 2017. Yes. So that's, right. that's eight points for you right there. And Becker, what do you got? So I went Pete Alonzo, Pete Alonzo, Bryce Harper. And then I think I had a problem with uh, listening comprehension because my list also includes Larry Walker and Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> well done, I, 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 I think I just zoned out for about a decade and a half there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Ken Griffey clearly did win three times. Uh, so, you know, but it just wasn't in the last 10 years. Uh, my apologies. I wasn't clear can, enough. Can you tell me if Larry Walker won? I I don't think so. Uh, but I'm like scrolling back here just to make sure. Yeah, no, he didn't. Um, all right. So the names that we missed here, Todd Frazier won in 2015. Oh, he had uh, home. Because right? the, the I knew there was some random guy. I couldn't remember who it was. Yeah, and Cespedes won two years in a row, which I, I thought you guys might have a shot at that in 2013, 2014. And Prince Fielder won in 2012. That was the last name that we were missing. Uh, so, I thought about Prince. I should have written him down. I thought that was too far, too too long ago. I guess I should have just written the name down anyway. Yeah. Um, well, I, you all have to score yourselves there. Two points for every correct name. Uh, and we're going to go on to the next question. Um, now, this is the one that I really wanted to ask. Uh, this is why I, I decided to do this segment, because I wanted to see if our memory of the games would be increased at all by this time they count. Right. Um, so the actual all-star game, we're going to be checking in on the, the last several winners and MVPs, all right? Let's start with the winners of the games going back 10 years, all right? So same exact thing, I'm giving you 30 seconds. The winners of the games going back 10 years, so we're actually gonna go to 2011 because there was no game uh, in 2022. Your 30 seconds starts now. And I'm just going to say that I actually really did care who won the All-Star game when I was a kid. Very curious if any of you did. I'll ask that later. 
um, I found myself rooting really hard for the National League when I was when I was young. Like, and that was a game that I would stay up. I actually think that uh, the amount of baseball that's on TV these days has dampened the product of the All-Star game because when that was the only way that you could see a player that you never otherwise would see, you, you were going to tune in. 30 seconds is, is basically up here. Uh, we started with Nate last time. I'm going to start with Becker this time. We'll just reverse the order. Becker, walk me backwards in time. Let's start with the most recent game. Who won? I have, I have no clue. I don't know who won the most recent game. I don't know who won in 2011. I couldn't tell you a single MVP. Um, <laughs> I know, here's what I remember. There was a period where I think it was the National League, but it could have been the American League, won like 16 of 20. Yeah, it was the American League. But that was, again, was, probably was between. AL. Yeah. Yeah, and was that in like the early to mid 90s? Because I that know. is clearly I, I, the I wrote, last time I, I was paying AL. attention. I wrote the AL down 10 times, just I figured I'd, I'd hit a, a good number of, of <laughs> correct answers there. That's a smart move. I'll tell you, yeah. I, here's, here's how I, I'll answer this question, Chris. The last All-Star MVP I remember was Sandy Alomar Jr. in the <laughs> oh, 1997 God. All-Star game at Jacobs Field. And I'm going to presume that the American League won that game. Oh, Becker, you you are making this so much. That's more all fun I here. got. That's all I got. <laughs> Nate, you want to tell everybody what you wrote down before I reveal the answer? So I don't. So the only thing my thought process is just trying to go by World Series and remembering who was had home field advantage. So I remember in 2019 when the Nets won on the road. So I'm going to assume that the AL won that All Star game. There you go. Good one. 20, was, did it still count then? In that, that's in, a separate question. Did they not? If they don't do that anymore, then that, the whole theory is gone. I don't. I, I don't remember any All Star games. I don't know when that stopped. They okay. don't do it anymore, but I don't know when it ended. So, so putting that aside, in 2015, I'm going to say Jacob Degrom should have been the MVP because he struck out all three hitters he faced in the All Star game, um, and the Royals had home field advantage for that World Series. So I'll say the AL won that one. Um, but yes, yeah, so I also don't know when the when it stopped counting. So that's a separate thing. All right. Well, listen up. We're on a tremendous run of American League winners, so Star is going to do himself very well here. 2021, 2019, 2018, 2017, 2016, 2015, 2014, and 2013 are all American League wins. The American there, was, League there was logic to that. It wasn't just like cheating. I knew they had won a lot lately. I just couldn't remember what year. So I was like, well, I'm going to hit them with every year. So this is the weird thing about the All-Star game is that it's gone in such tremendous streaks. The three previous years before that, the National League won. So the correct answers for 2012 and 2011 are the National League. They also won in 2010, but that's not part of our question. But then, before that, this is where things get crazy. Between 2009 all the way back to 1997, with the exception of 2002 when there was a tie, the American League won every single game. So since, ni since 1997, the National League has won three times. That's it. It's actually kind of amazing that we have not been advertising this more just based on the ridiculousness of that because that's, that's quite the streak for the American League. I didn't realize it was quite that that lopsided i i knew i knew it was more heavily americanly but i did not realize it was insanely uh swung towards the al in the situation well i, I think wonder if you can use this to bet on like that might be the height of depravity to bet on all-star games <laughs> i remember trying to bet the over under on the nba all-star game and that's that's tough too <laughs> All right, so that was two points for every correct answer there. I think I'm about ready to crown Matt Starr as our current trivia champion. Um, I did have one last question, but based on how you all have basically eschewed uh, all knowledge of these games and, and, and proven the point of just how ridiculous this is, I will spare you the MVP question. But just because it's fun, I would like to know if anyone knows who won the MVP in any of the last three seasons. Any guesses? So I, I was at I was at the the All Star game in Nats Park. I feel like I should know the answer to that, <laughs> but I don't. Yeah, I was too. <laughs> I have no idea. 
All right. Well, I'll just give you the last few just for the sake of, uh, for posterity's sake. And listeners, if any of you got this, you can go ahead and score yourself two points for this as well. Um, Vlad had it in, in 2021. Shane Bieber um, was the, let me make sure I'm reading this correctly. I think I have it. Yeah. Shane Bieber was in, uh, in 2020. And, um, oh, sorry, not 2020. In 2019, there was no 2020. And Bregman had it in uh, 2018 in the game that you saw live. Does that ring a bell? Not at all. Not, not <laughs> whatsoever. Not at all. Did you stay for the awarding of the MVP trophy? <laughs> I don't think I did. I don't think that was really on my priority list. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, that was fun for me. Um, so I hope I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, and listeners, let us know over the, the release email if any of you beat Star. Otherwise, he's our current champ. Um, and we'll, we'll do more trivia as time goes forward. Um, I think it's time that we take a few minutes and talk about what's going on in, uh, in our league. <laughs> and maybe, I wonder if we would actually do better remembering our all-star games than we would the actual all-star game. Um, I see star nodding. Go ahead, star. No, no, I, I mean, I, 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 I'm very invested in our own all-star game. So I, you know, I, I do remember who <laughs> sometimes I, I think, uh, I'm pretty sure we won last year, uh, so but that, that's about all I can tell you. I think you did. Um, all right, weekly segment. Are we ready to call anyone dead? Nate, you're Wait, not. Well, who, well, well, who's, well, who's dead already? Who's, who's yeah, I was getting, I, I don't know about newly dead. I would, yeah, I, I would say my team is still pretty dead. We declared dead. Sean and I dead previously. Yeah uh and we were There's ready more teams there yeah there, yeah so let's go ahead uh, nate you get the honor who's dead i, I think my my team is is pretty soundly dead um, any other ldb deaths that we're ready to declare here you know i don't want to get out ahead and be premature with anybody so i'm not gonna I, i'm not gonna announce anybody else's dead right now i don't think i i think it might be fair to say josh is dead um, he's, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, he's already thrown mm -hmm. in the towel and, you know, he lost again this week. He, he actually looked like he might upset Ian for a minute, for a minute there, but let that lead slip away. And Shane Boz is hurt. <laughs> Unfortunate, just, just, just rough luck all around this year for, for the AIDS. I think, I think we can safely say that Josh, Josh is dead at this point. So why don't we take a moment and just check in on the union playoff race? Because last we checked in last week, um, things were tightening up. Uh, I know Ian is is worried, but he's uh, he's fighting. Um, so how did everybody perform this week? Becker, how'd you do? Terribly. I'm going to lose nine to three. To who? To Ray. Mm, good to strategy. Ray. Yep. We'll see how that works it's, out for uh, you. Not, 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 not what you're looking for. <laughs> No, not at all. So uh, the tones may be dead. We'll see. Maybe slightly too early to pronounce them, but they're not trending in a good direction, which I told you guys weeks ago. You refuse to believe me. Star, um, you want to check in on the other the other major contenders? Yeah. So I mean, so Hughes and I played each other. Um, so that we can talk about that. I mean, I I beat Hughes eight four. Um, he had a hell of an offensive week. I think we were both annoyed that we played each other while we both had like very good offensive weeks with one of those situations and uh, my pitching just outperformed his. Um, but I think right now, I, it, as the scores on the website are accurate, I think uh, Ian and Hughes are now tied for the last um, Union playoff spot. Uh, and I think are they're both seven games behind Becker right now. Um, who's got the first wild card? And and then I am again. I, I think I am one game behind Dubner now for the double buy. We are kind of neck and neck there. So and I and I hold the tiebreaker there. So this is going to come down probably to the very end. I think most of that will come down to the very end. Um, all right. So that that sounds right for the union. I think on federal side, um, I. I'm having a little bit of internet problems here, but Brophy continues his run and dealt Mark a blow. Um, and then Paul uh, had a slight win over Anton, which could prove important uh, down the stretch. 
And then uh, in, in, a, in a matchup of division leaders, Jorby was able to beat Tim seven to five. And I think that he really needed that to write the ship. So it's basically a status quo week in the federal uh, with the one exception there being um, Paul's win, uh, which he really needed. And I think Anton is now starting to, to need to get to, to put some, some wins together, but it shouldn't be, you know, no one, no one's in trouble at this point. So um, I'm just trying to check in on that. Like any, any trends about teams that we want to talk about here? Yeah, I mean, I, I think federal is start. It's interesting. I think Anton and, and Mark kind of had a had a moment there. I feel like Mark maybe kind of missed an opportunity to capitalize on being in the race, and I think we're now maybe seeing the most talented teams kind of win out. You know, the Brophy and, and Paul have now put a little bit of separation between themselves and Anton and Mark for the wild card spots there, um, and I think. Oh, we lost, we lost Nate. It's all right. Um, I think that's kind of how I would have expected it to go. Just, I mean, just based on Roto performance and whatnot, Paul's team has just been kind of screwed luck wise, has not gotten the right. He does not have the record that his Roto indicates he should have. And Brophy's team has just been absolutely red hot. And I think has soared up near the top of the Roto leaderboards too. So I think those two teams are kind of, the teams I would expect to probably pull it out in the end and it's starting to look like they are putting some distance between themselves and everybody else. Interesting. Um, and Nate's back and, and, and just in time, Nate, how are you, how are you feeling on your McQueenie fight? I mean, we'll see. I, this week was decent. I had a couple of frustrating losses in the category, a couple of like very close category losses. Um, I was sad to see it. I, yeah, I, I was. If you had gotten one more win on Doomer, I would have taken over the double buy. So, so I know a, a double. Yeah, it's frustrating for both of us. Um, so I think yeah, I'm kind of tiptoeing right on that line for now. Uh, I'm hopeful I can avoid it. I mean, the team is. I don't have a lot of good players, which makes it tougher. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, yeah. So, do you mind, Mike? I want to ask you, like, how much did fighting McQueenies influence your decision on what to keep as you were approaching the deadline here? Uh, not too much. That it was more like that. I don't know. It seemed more. If it comes down to it, that the the one time penalty is obviously something I'm trying to avoid. But I, I don't. It didn't stop me from, as of yet, from making any trades. So, I mean, because I, I think the people I was or the assets I was getting back in the trades kind of made it worth it from taking a longer view of it. I would love to have a longer conversation about the McQueenies and how they're working. I, I do want to just take a moment and say, you know, as somebody who's been a contender for a number of years in a row, I, I'm finding it's making me be much more active on the wire, um, fighting mm -hmm. the McQueenies, and, and that is a huge success of the way it's written. Like, I'm, I'm beating contenders out for some of these major uh pickups um because i i can't afford not to i need these players and and i i'm assuming that you and sean are, are doing the same thing because a number of the times that i've looked up players they've been on your roster so um yeah but I, at, at the same time it, i do think it, it it changes the trade market a little bit at least and i would love to hear more from from sellers just on how that's influencing them uh and see if it mirrors my own I'm having a tough time pulling the trigger on trading pitching right now because I feel like pitching is the way I'm actually going to fight the McQueenie penalty. And it's like, do I want to get a guy that I value somewhere around 15 million if I'm going to then take a $15 million hit that I will not currently? Uh, Dippas at the end of this week are going to be sitting at 22 wins in the second half. So on pace to avoid the McQueenies, um, take that, Ian. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's actually going to, I think I'll take some hit. Just I don't know how big it's going to be yet. Um, Man, go ahead. I, I think your for, I think your former reason is is exactly why we implemented them in the first place. Which I think we had a lot of issues with or, or in the early years before we instated them with teams just kind of abandoning their teams once they were out of it because there was nothing left to play for and um, keeping teams who are out of it active. I think was one of the biggest reasons that we wanted to do that to give 
teams, you know, something to continue to play for in addition to the consolation bracket and seeding for that. You know, I think it just just fighting to not be terrible is also incentive, and I think it's played out nicely in that way. And, and in terms of how it's affected the trade market, I think it's that's tougher to put. Uh, it's tougher to draw a clear line there in terms of. I think some it has some owners pay more attention to it than others, so it's hard to say. So I want to ask this next question carefully because I'm not trying to advocate for anything here. I'm more playing like a podcast host question here. Um, is 20 million the right number? Is it too high? Um, I'm curious to get everybody's take on the maximum penalty that somebody could take. I don't think it should be any higher than 20. I don't think it needs to be higher than it is. I think it's enough as it is. So the question is whether it should be lower. I don't, I don't know about that. I think, Historically, we've only had maybe two or three teams ever take the full penalty. Um, so I, I, it's pretty telling that that's only happened maybe twice ever um, that we've scaled it to the right amount that unless you totally bottom out, you're not going to hit that 20 million. So yeah, take that for what it's worth. Nate, how are you feeling about that number, though? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would agree. I think it's fine uh, as... I think it kind of serves its deterrent purpose. Um, I think things would have to go pretty wrong for me to hit the full number. I mean, I think I'm just, I've had uh, 19 the second half wins already. So even if I average, what, three per, that would get me uh, three. If I go three and nine each week over the end, that, should give me, that would give me up to um, 37. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I think it, I think it's good. It's, something obviously you have to keep in mind but it's not i don't think you want it to you also don't want to kind of force people just to that aren't going to make the playoffs not to sell their assets so i think it kind of strikes the right balance i would say you know just if there is a counter argument to be made because i also think it's working and i'm not i'm not looking for for change here but I'd be curious if anyone was willing to do a study just on like the strength of schedule over the second half and see if there's any inequity that happens based on teams trying their hardest and just based on who you play in the first half versus the second half. Um, Cause that can happen. And, and you know, maybe that's just the luck of the draw, but I, I'm curious to see um, how much that can swing a penalty. Like if we look at our sellers and we compare our schedules, um, how much that could have hurt us or helped us. So anyway, just a thought um, it's coming up on that time. We're almost at the hour point. It flies by. Uh, any other thoughts on LDB before we switch over to our, our final thoughts? Becker? Nothing. No, final thoughts are great by me. All right, let's do our final thoughts. Any Anybody have some final thoughts as we approach the All-Star Weekend here? I have no final thoughts. None? I'm disappointed. No, just looking forward to the All-Star game, looking forward to, once again, reading a book. Maybe. We'll see if you remember who the uh, MVP is after this one. Um, Star, how about you? You're taking notes, yeah. I, I'm curious about, I, it's funny, like I, I feel like baseball, you know, during the season becomes such a part of my, you know, evenings every day, whether it's checking scores or watching baseball. It's, it's, it's almost kind of weird to have like three days in a row where there is like no, three or sometimes four days in a row where there's no meaningful baseball. I'm like, what am I going to do with myself at night? Uh, I always have a couple of days where I'm like, oh shit, like I feel like I have all this extra time on my head, like, like you're saying, about being able to read a book. I don't know if everyone feels that way. I said, yeah. <laughs> Agreed. That's very strange. I've been in that place for a while. I haven't watched very much baseball since, since I threw in the towel. <laughs> so, yeah, but you know, that happens. Um, all right, Nate, I got to tell you, um, I'm really grateful for your time tonight. And uh, congrats on the on the little one, two years yeah. late. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm glad the honeymoon went well. Let's make it a point and not let four years go by before we have you back on again. Yeah, let's do this again much sooner than four years. Yes. And, um, and uh, thank you, Matt and, and, and Michael. Uh, always appreciate hearing from you guys. Um, I think unless you guys have a burning last thing to say, I think that that does it for the night. Sounds good. Enjoy the home run derby and everybody. I, I hope you're rooting for Albert Pujols to at least upset Kyle. <laughs> oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, I mean, we got to have him at least make it to the second round. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks. So long, everybody. Right. Bye, everyone. Baseball.